0: welcome to another week of our deep dive where we're looking at the um, passage that we talked about this weekend and the weekend messages Uh, today we're going to be in galatians chapter 4 verses 21 through 31 as we continue paul's argument uh, that he is uh, fleshing out here in his letter to the galatian churches and so uh today joined by chris and terry how are you guys doing doing pretty well.
1: It's good. Good, good. It's good.
0: Good, good. Well, we're going to try to wrap this in 25 minutes because we've got 25 minutes of recording space on the card today. Um, (laughs) But anyway, in this series, we're kind of coming at the, you know, we've been in the same argument now for a few weeks. We've even mentioned it here on the deep dive that, you know, even looking at, how we do these conversations a little differently because of it's the same argument every single week. Right. Uh, today, he's gonna, Paul is going to take a story from the Old Testament, from Genesis, uh, from Abraham, who he's referenced already in this mm-hmm. letter, and use it as an illustration. Um, he kind of is going to speak allegorically, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that means uh, here in a minute. But I just want to read uh, these verses, and then we will dive in. So, Galatians chapter 4, uh, 21, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. Now you brothers like Isaac are children of promise, but just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with, with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. All right. So this is a... Tough passage, <laughs> somewhat pro- problematic. <laughs> There's uh, a lot going on. Um, just at first blush, like I don't know if this passage makes me feel great. Right. Um, and I do know that when you think, like even apologetically, um, yeah, when you're when you're talking about slavery, when you're talking about Old Testament sexual ethics and marriage and um, all of those things, it's just it's just tough. So I guess let's just kind of set the table. What? What is the story that Paul is referencing here?
2: Yeah, so Paul is referencing the story of Abraham and Sarah in, in that you know, God goes to Abraham and they he makes a covenant with Abraham saying that your offspring are going to be, you know, like as numerous as the stars. Like, you know, you will be the the father of this great nation, but um, Abraham and Sarah, they start to age, and they start to get yeah. older, and so they start to hit the panic button a little bit on, okay, who's going to take my inheritance? Like, who's going to be my offspring? Who's going to carry on the lineage mm-hmm. if what God said is true, that my offspring will be as, as numerous as the stars? And so um, Sarah has a slave, Hagar, and so what they do is um, basically, conceived through her, and um, you know, in their impatience, I think we would say, okay, they found kind of a man made solution to mm-hmm. a problem that God was already taking care of, but they didn't f- see that. Yeah, um, and so in that, Paul is now going to use the allegory of the child born of Hagar and the child born of
0: Sarah. Mm hmm, yeah. Terry, is there anything you want to want to add, though? Yeah, I
1: mean, I think that's the same, you know, Paul has already referenced uh, mm-hmm. Abraham, so uh, he's pointed back to the time where Abraham really believed God and, and that made him righteous. So he's not coming up with this story on right. his own, he's, he's kind continuing, of, he's that, continuing story. that argument. Yeah. He's, you know, sometimes allegory, we kind of assume that that's a fictional uh, account, that that's a made story to kind of prove a point. He's, you know, already pointed to a historical event. He's not saying that this was allegorical or a non historical account. He's just saying, mm-hmm. I'm gonna make some interpretation of it and understand that, you know, that Hagar represents Mount Sinai. you, you know, so he's making some assumptions of it or, or using it as the end of a a lesson that he's trying to teach, which was very Jewish in their mm-hmm. in their arguments, is that you end with kind of like a classic illustration, like we might in preaching, like leave mm-hmm. them with a really good story that gets them thinking, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what he's doing here.
0: So <laughs> is that so? Is it
1: fair to say
0: he's using the story of Abraham, Sarah, a, uh, Hagar, Ishmael, Isaac? Is 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 it fair to say that he's using that merely as an illustration, or as we read Genesis? Uh, what sixteen, seventeen, twenty-one? Should we be interpreting that in light of how Paul is using it?
1: Well, I mean, I think there are points that that we would both interpret that Paul does. I mean, I think his main point is: Are we impatient, trying to do stuff yeah. God's will our way? That's always the question. You know, here was God's will and his plan. So I think we can read it the same way. He's making an application about different covenants and the way the covenants. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure initially that was mm-hmm. how people understood sure. that. He's he's adding that depth of dimension, and we're assuming it's in Scripture that this is something God wants us to maybe understand sure, a, bit, yes. a bit more. But there are certainly applicable points that are the same. I mean, I think throughout, are we doing God's will, God's way are doing it our way.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I think that's good. I think uh, maybe a, a
0: principle for biblical interpretation for us: we have to keep in mind, Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Right? We are not mm-hmm. Paul. Uh, we can learn how the different biblical writers interact with Scripture, even right? I mean, Scripture interpreting Scripture is probably the best way to understand how to uh, you know interpret and understand Scripture. But at the same time, like. We need to keep all of that in balance. Um, yeah, we're not Paul.
1: We're not Paul. And I mean, I don't think we would hear what the Jewish people would hear when Paul said, when he says, you know, the children of, of Hagar corresponds to present day Jerusalem for she is in slavery. Like, she saying, you know, he's saying not Sarah's offspring, but Hagar's offspring is what the current day, what the Judaizers, mm-hmm. what the... Jewish people in Jerusalem were. Yeah. And so for strong, devout Jewish people to think Paul saying, you're like Ishmael, those are fighting words. yeah. Like mm-hmm. he's really hot on them. Like you're in bondage, you're in slavery, you've missed it. You've uh, totally misunderstood what God had planned for you and who Jesus yeah. was when you came. And
0: it kind of reminds me of some of the words that Jesus has for the Pharisees of the day. Of his day,
1: right too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, if you said <laughs> today to Jewish people, "You are sons of Ishmael," I, I mean, that's that's the great world conflict that yeah. we we live in, and so in the same day, they were pretty much fighting words that Paul is saying. Like he's, yeah. it's a big condemnation of people who were promoting that you had to be fully Jewish in order to yeah be a full Christian. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's a, it's an absolute dagger because in the context of Galatians the Judaizers have come in and basically said, hey, follow us, listen to us, and you can be truer and greater mm-hmm. sons of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Like through these practices, we'll hand down to you, then you'll be sons of Abraham. And Paul has completely pivoted that mm-hmm. to say, no, um, actually uh, you're sons of Hagar right now, yeah. because you've gone back to the, you've, you've basically
0: enslaved yourself to the old covenant. Right. Yeah, that's great. All right, so there's, there's a lot in this passage, right? We yeah. see slavery. Mm-hmm. We see Abraham with multiple uh, women, different right. relationships there. Let's unpack that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You love teaching your kids this. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Like, it's so difficult. Uh, it's so difficult. Um, let's start with uh, slavery. Okay. Okay. So the relationship between Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar is Hagar is a slave, a servant. Mm -hmm. What would that have? What would that have mean? Because for us, right, we hear the word slavery, and we have a certain historical connection
1: to that word. And that's not at all like I think when we think of the. The Annabelle himself and slavery and kidnapping people and taking people against their will and forcing them into slavery. That was not really the idea Mm -hmm. of of slavery in in the Old Testament in particular. And In fact, when you read the Jewish laws, it was against that. You couldn't kidnap someone that was there. You couldn't hold them uh, if, um, if they escaped from their slave masters, from their own Owner or master, or whatever you couldn't return that. You mm-hmm. weren't supposed to return them. Like there was, and after if Hebrew slaves, after seven years, you had to set them free. Mm-hmm. And to, typically, it was you were sold into slavery because you couldn't pay a debt. Yeah, debt it yeah. was kind of a last minute recourse to be able to to do that. Yeah. And yeah. people, you know, in modern day, I mean, have servants, people who help do something, workers. You know, mm-hmm. you probably don't want to call them. Servants, mm-hmm. um, but I know you, you know missionaries who travel or work in different areas. I mean, they have housekeepers, of people who help. I mean, that's just kind of expected. Someone who who does that, who's not treated as a slave, but is a uh-huh. good servant, yeah, helper. It's a yeah, our language is mm-hmm. failing us at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that is helpful to distinguish, like you know, colonial slavery and what we you know, saw in our not so long ago history in our country is what we often in the imagination import whenever we read, you know, do law, servant, slave, any of those kind of language that Mm -hmm. we see in the Bible. And and culturally and contextually, there is a lot of difference. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that slavery or servanthood was ever the ideal Mm -hmm. to Terry's point. Mm -hmm. Like often this was a last ditch effort that you would uh, willingly put yourself into with a debt. Or, um, you know, just wars, right? Yeah. Like if a conquered people is conquered, sometimes you would, you know, take the conquered people as yeah. servants. Um, but to Terry's point, there actually were provisions within the law and the society in which um, they actually, you know, were kind of engrafted and in, mm-hmm. in, in kind of attached to the to owner in a way that was uh, very, very different than our, Industry. So I would say it's definitely not the ideal. We would never say like, oh yeah, that's the ideal. But at the same time, I think we've got to do some work as Westerners culturally getting to a place that's more accurate than what we would import.
0: Right. Yeah, that's good. I, yeah. I also think of, you know, when Paul is writing to uh, the Colossians and yeah. um, I think Ephesians too, he has, he uses certain household co- codes and The Mm -hmm. slaves and the servants are actually part of the household, um, at least in that time.
1: Yeah, it was yeah a social class in some Mm -hmm. ways. It was considered a a class of people who were there. I mean, I think a third of the Roman Empire Mm -hmm. kind of fit into that servant class. There's an interesting, I I mean, thing in all throughout Scripture is that Paul calls himself a slave of Christ. Mm -hmm. We're to be slaves Mm -hmm. of Christ and in in the biblical context there's the whole idea of a bond servant or a bond slave who was someone who chooses to be a servant for their master who you know uh, after several year you know 6 years of serving them they could choose you know to be set free and do what they want or they could say hey i want to keep working for this person i'm free but i'm working for them i'm a, still a servant for them and that was kind of the ideal that you would treat people so that they'd want to be with you and you know that we are the same called to be a bond servant of Christ. We know who he is and we choose to to serve him freely mm. and mm. want to do that. Yeah,
0: mm. cool. Yeah, it's really hard. We want to read the Bible on its terms and understand the historical, cultural moments uh, that the writers and the stories existed in, not justifying systems that were broken, but explaining <clears throat> them and speaking yeah. into them. Yeah, um, which, which leads me to my next question of, uh, I don't know, polygamy, multiple relationships. You have Abraham, uh, who was married to Sarah, and yet Sarah gave Abraham her slave. There's, I think, a lot of conjecture we could make, you know, is is this rape? Is this polygamy? What's the nature of the Mm. relationship? Unfortunately, all we have to go off of is what
1: Scripture tells us. So, yeah, I'm just going to leave the question there. You don't there. know what conversations <laughs> happen between Sarah and Hagar. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, there was a, a a cultural understanding. You see it in the code of Hammurabi. Other things, if a person could not bear a child, then there could be a surrogate who would come in uh-huh. that they would choose to have, and the surrogate would have the baby and put it actually in the wife's, the original wife's lap, and that became the wife's child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so before they had
0: to, medical intervention <clears throat> and able to, mm-hmm. to do right, yeah,
1: yeah, and ov- obviously, you know, you were sleeping with the person to be able to yeah. produce. So but it is interesting that Sarah gives Hagar as a wife. So it's more than just a surrogate. There is a ongoing relationship, but it ends You know, very, with a lot of conflict. It's not a great situation, which I think is what we see Mm -hmm. in scripture. I think God's intent was always one man, one woman. That's Genesis. You know, Mm -hmm. for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother be joined. Um, But there seems to be a a cultural adaptation of people having multiple wives. God seems to deal with it and and contend with it, but it never ends well Mm -hmm. often.
2: Yeah, I think that's a key point is because some some people will kind of, you know, take a shot at, oh, there's polygamy in the Old Testament. Well, it's like, yeah, but what is the picture being painted of any kind of polygamy? Like, it always ends poorly. It always ends bad for the parties involved. So, like, if you read the Old Testament, you get to the end of it and you say, wow, why were these people ever so patient with polygamy as they were? Because time after time and time, it
0: just wreaks havoc. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, probably the classic example, right, Solomon, you know, with his yeah. hundreds right. of, of women. Yeah. And what does that lead to? It leads to a, a divided Israel. It leads to yeah. exile. It leads right. to, um, you know.
2: so, so I think two things can be true. It can be true, one, that in this moment, Abraham and Sarah, in their impatience, are directly doing something that's going against the will of God. Mm-hmm. And it can be also true that in the ancient world and in their cultural context, what they did was not completely alien or foreign. Mm,
1: right. I think both right. those things can be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and it's interesting. Abraham and Sarah were monogamous for decades. Right. I mean, yeah. in the, into they've their been in Canaan age. for
2: ten years when this yeah, happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not like they, you know, this was trying to deal with yeah. the situation. I don't know if giving as a what you know if that was a sense of protection for. Hagar, I mean, she eventually, you know, it's getting difficult. She Uh leaves and God tells her to go back and then ends up leaving again. Um, You know, they had a multiple marriage, so to speak. The son, uh, Isaac, Uh had one wife, Uh Rebekah. Jacob had multiple wives. Uh Uh, Joseph, the son, had one wife. So it was not always uh, polygamous relationships uh, that Mm -hmm. were there.
0: Oh, that's good um, okay well the last question I have now that we've you know tied a big bow on, <laughs> on yeah, understanding that uh, just that yeah that yep. challenging uh, challenging story I think especially when we get to Galatians, putting that story in the context of the letter that Paul is writing and the argument that he's trying to make because Mm -hmm. the church is, regardless of all of the brokenness we read about in the Old Testament and the continued brokenness in the New Testament, the church is meant to be this experiment that God is working through to usher in a uh, a new version of humanity that was always his original design, and always his original intent. And so even in many ways that as we read as, you know, 21st century uh, North American, you know, North American Western uh, readers, we have to, we do need to hold in contention that um, God is working and he is uh, intending to create a people um, according to his original design. Mm -hmm. Um, We see that in Jesus. We see a kind of a, a new... Uh, version a new moment for what it means what it looks like to flourish and for humanity to flourish and all of that goes against the um cultural convictions of of their day and so um the last question i wanted to ask is you know in here we we hear this word promise a lot right verse 28 now you brothers like isaac are children of promise what is what's in scope <coughs> in this word right because we 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 talk about like we want to inherit the promises of God, God has promises for us, Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times that can stay somewhat abstract, Mm
1: -hmm. right?
0: And We just equate, oh, promises good things. Well, is there anything specific in scope in that kind of phrase? And how would Paul's original readers, um, you know, think about being children of promise?
1: Well, I do think part is going back to Genesis, kind of what we have talked about, you know, the promise of a Savior in Genesis 3, you know, God's going to do that, the son of a woman. And then in in Genesis 12 and 15, you know, Abraham is going to be the family. And so the the promise of the Savior is kind of what's come through, that God is going to bring a Redeemer, a Savior, someone who's going to end that. So Mm that always comes by faith. That's part of what Paul is saying. We can't earn that or do that. So I think part in this context is he's just talking about this promise of a Savior that's going to come and Uh redeem us.
0: Uh Mm Mhm.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're the children of the the promise of the the God who dwells with His people, who covenants with His people that um, are sons and daughters, right? Um, and so, what we see Paul do is he relates Hagar to Sinai, and he relates uh, Sarah, you know, Sarah to the New Jerusalem. And and Paul's very specific. He mentions that it's in Arabia, right? Like there's this sense that Sinai is in Arabia. It's in this pagan land. It's outside the promise, mm-hmm. and it's the old mm-hmm. covenant from which the, the the law came, right? And then Sarah's, um, there's tons of language around the New Jerusalem, rabbinic tradition, and in the Old Testament of this is like the new final, it, it's got some eschatology connotations mm-hmm. to it, but it's also got the new humanity connotations mm-hmm. to it. There's the New Jerusalem, which is... Kind of the finish line, so to speak, of where we're Mm. going, and 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 that's what the promise holders will inherit. Mm -hmm. And so, so Paul's being very clear, like he's being very specific in relating Hagar, Sinai, Sarah, New Jerusalem. These are right, so the sons and daughters of Isaac in the promise. These are, you know, you're basically going back, you're being a son and daughter of Ishmael in the Old Covenant. hmm
0: Yeah. You know, I think as we look at covenants, right, especially in the Old Testament, all yeah. of these covenants, these, uh, as we've kind of talked about, not just contracts, right, these relational mm-hmm. uh, covenants, mm-hmm. um, they do consist of promises and blessings, and if yeah. certain... Um, uh, responsibilities if you will, are upheld right then there you know God's responsibilities are to bless his people and to mm-hmm. and you see promises of land and wealth and Monarchy. Um, monar- yeah mm-hmm. all, all of these different things mm-hmm. there and then we enter into the New Testament and with Jesus res- the establishment of a new covenant of, of grace um, where he's already done all of the work
1: mm-hmm. and
0: obviously we have the responsibility to step into that relationship mm-hmm. but in doing so, um, God promises to be with us. He promises mm-hmm. um, us an inheritance that we get to to claim and receive. Uh, he promises um, us a people, right, mm-hmm. to belong to. And then, yeah, I love how you threw in the, the eschatology bent there, mm-hmm. right? He promises to ultimately do mm-hmm. something about the yeah. brokenness and the fallen nature of yeah. systems
1: and of the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think you know when he talks about covenant I mean this is Jesus made a new covenant right to be with him yeah. and the, the covenant of grace and that's what we get to participate yeah. in Cool.
0: Well, just uh, another minute or two. Is there anything yeah. else that's just on your hearts, on your minds, as you think about where we are in this uh, in this book? Uh, we're gonna move kind of next week. We're gonna start getting into more of the the application and the. Uh, we're gonna kind of move out of not out of this argument, right. but he's set the table for what he's gonna land on in the next couple. Yeah. Chapters. How do yeah. we
1: then live that? How do we walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh? That's gonna be our choice you know how do we do we just live a life of sin management or do mm-hmm. we walk in the power of the spirit and the grace god's given us yeah
2: i think throughout galatians 2 there's always a helpful reminder to um do we know the word of god do we know our bibles can we mm-hmm. you know be in that because all throughout this in paul's argument he's like yeah you're claiming all these you're claiming all this stuff and yet you're really misunderstanding it and then paul's giving them illustrations and allegory and arguments to kind of yeah counteract that which is really interesting yeah Mm
0: -hmm. great awesome well thank you chris thank you terry i'm looking forward to continuing these conversations in the weeks uh, to come Uh, again you can find this deep dive and more on our website calvary.church galatians or anywhere you listen to podcasts we would invite you to subscribe or follow like leave a review all of the good stuff uh, to help other people and you uh, hear about our deep dives more in the future Uh, thank you we hope you have a great week and we'll catch you again next weekend
2: see you guys Thanks for listening to The Deep Dive, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.